0: Hey, hey, how's everybody doing today? Good. I know a lot of people are late arriving this morning, you know, hard time getting out of bed when it's hot. Is that it? I don't know. I heard from uh, some of the singles that they had a great time in uh, San Francisco. Carlos told me that his favorite preacher is uh, Russ Yule, and uh, I was devastated with that. like, what the heck, man? <laughs> now, Russ is fantastic, and uh, I did hear from uh, him that, that they had a great time. I'm sure we'll hear more today at our singles leaders uh, thing, but that, that's, that's great. If you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, we'll get in there in just a minute. We're continuing on with our, our sermon series that uh, Raphael has us on. It's this idea of distraction, and today the title that he has assigned me is Aimless Pursuits versus the purpose of Jesus. And so we're going to dive into this and uh, hopefully have a good discussion together. You guys okay? Amen. Even though you didn't get here on time this morning, you are okay? Amen. Front row, how are my teenagers doing? Doing great? (laughs) A little weak. I'm calling that a little weak. A little weak. Teenagers, come on, I need some enthusiasm down here. Okay, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. You guys there? Then He said to them all, If anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow Me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for Me will save it. And now here's the statement we want to really talk about. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit his very self? Now, is it really possible for any person to own the whole world? Clearly no, right? Right. So Jesus here is, is making an exaggerated statement. Even if you could have it all, would it be worth it to have it all and lose yourself or lose your soul? And of course, you know, what he's saying is, is, you know, think about this. What are you living your life for? What are you trying to get? Because what you get may actually cost you your soul. So you've got to give some consideration here to how you live uh, in your life. Now, what would most people say that their goal in life is, or their purpose in life is? What do you think? Be happy. To be happy. I think that would probably be the number one. You guys agree? Yeah. What are some other ones? Be happy, I think, would be number one. But uh, what else? Yeah. Uh, to be rich. Be a millionaire, sort of same thing. Yeah. Okay, to, to have a family. Okay, to have a family, have children, have a, a wife or a husband. Uh, to live a long time. Okay. Any other goals that you think maybe people may have in life? To make a difference. Uh, to make a difference. I think you have a lot of good-hearted people out there that that would be their idea. That I, I want to make a difference in life. I want to have an impact on other people's life around me. But I think that the one we came up first is really the one that I think would be, by, by and large, if you ask you know, the person on the street, what do you want out of life more than anything else, uh, it would be... Happiness. I, I want to be happy. Isn't it interesting, even in the, the Constitution of the United States, uh, it says, and the pursuit of happy. happiness. So even the founding fathers of our country had this idea in mind that this goal of being happy is, uh, is what a lot of people think about. Now, the interesting thing is, is that a lot of people want to be happy, but a lot of people aren't happy. You know, if you actually ask the question, are you happy? Wouldn't that be interesting to see the answer that you got? And really, maybe the answer that you get is it really honest. Because I think sometimes people, even if they're not, would say, well, yeah, I'm happy. But in their real heart of hearts, they're like, well, not really, if you know what I'm saying. But this idea of what are you living for and what's important to you, what's your goal, what's your aim in life, is an interesting thought uh, to have. I thought of six things here that I think fit into this category of things that people want, but in reality, these things can go away very quickly. Even though people want them, they can sort of come and go in your life very quickly. Number one power or authority. Number two money. How quickly, money. Okay, have you ever had that feeling that money seems to be flying out of my account? Yeah. You ever had that feeling? Yeah. This last week here, I just made, a, I shifted money from my checking to my savings. I'm saving money, I'm on my way, and I'm going, and we have a, a sewer problem. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> sewer problems are never good. We had a refrigerator problem. And we had a washing machine problem. All in like two days. And so that added up to more than what I moved into my savings account. <laughs> and we have that feeling sometimes in life that, that money you know, sort of comes and goes. So power... Money, this third category is a bit broad, but things, possessions, health, beauty, and life itself. Let me illustrate how quickly power and being in a position of power can be something that comes and goes... Pretty quickly in life. Now this is going to be a little bit of a test to do. You pay attention to current events. But you'll see where I'm going with this in a minute. Can you remember. Who was the democratic. Nominee. That ran against George W. Bush. In his first election. Al Gore. Some of you guys are good. Okay. Well, you're a political science major at, 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 at an Ivy League school. You need to shut up. Nobody else here knows this stuff. You're, skew, you're skewing the curve here, you're messing it up. Most people don't know that. Who was the Republican nominee that ran first time against Obama? John McCain. Okay, well, you, got, you guys are better than I thought. My point was that you could be in a very important position, and obviously that's a very important position, but a few years down the road, people can't even remember your name. And I have, I have to admit, when I was, and I keep up with current events, I had to think about that. Who was that? Who was that? Who was that? Who was that? Yeah. You know, you can be in a position of great power, and just a few minutes later, a few years later, and it can be gone. How about money? We've already talked about that. Things. You ever have something that you really thought was really important and bam, it was gone, it broke? You know, doesn't work anymore? We all have things. Health. How how quickly your health can change from being seemingly very healthy to in a dangerous and perilous position. Uh, with with Jackie Nakishi's situation a few years ago. I mean, bam, one morning. You know, and and, and whole life changed. You know, of, of of dealing with that. How quickly health can go. Beauty. You you can go from being, you know, a knockout to not uh,
1: Yeah.
0: And, and seemingly, it, it didn't take all that amount of time. What what happened? You know, you, you look in the mirror and you're like, whoa, there, there, man, I'm up a couple of weight classes here. I mean, you know what happened? Beauty can come and go, and life itself is so fragile and can come and go. A Christian's purpose should be the same purpose, essentially, of Jesus. And we're going to look in a few minutes at some scriptures that will put that in in very clear understanding for us. That's what a Christian's purpose should be. People who are not Christians may have all kinds of different purposes, but probably it comes down to, I want to be happy, I want to be rich, in in most cases. it it ain't going to catch all the cases, but it would catch a lot of them. Then you would would actually have some people in life who would say, well, I don't really have a purpose. I'm just sort of living from day to day. I'm just trying to, you know, make my way in life and I don't have a mission statement. I don't have a purpose. I don't have anything I specifically am trying uh, to accomplish in life. And that, that sounds, oh, well, that, that's, uh, that's sort of cool. But it's very impractical when it comes down to real life. You know, this last week on uh, July 4th, uh, Connie Cosberg uh, said to us, hey, why don't you guys, meaning our family, the Fuquays, why don't you run the San Marino uh, 5K? I'm going to run it, and we can run it in the morning, and then we're going to have hamburgers and all that in the afternoon. We won't feel guilty about all that we're going to eat in the afternoon. And let, let's run the, the 5K together. And, and we did that. And 5K is 3.1 miles, just for you guys uh, who didn't know that. So, it's not a really, really long run, Uh, you know, but it's a run. It got got my attention. But you know what? They had a course that you went on. The 5K run wasn't, okay, go run 3.1 miles and come back. There was a course to run. If you understand what I'm saying. This idea of I'm just going to have no purpose in life. It has no practical reality into real life. Real life is, has structure to it. It has defining moments to it. It has ways to measure whether you're getting along in life or not. You know, for a lot of people, that, that, that's a big, uh, big wake-up call when they open up their first checking account. You mean I can't just go to the ATM machine to take out money? Not unless you're depositing money in, you can't. There's a way to measure whether you have anything or whether you don't, if you understand what I'm saying. So this idea of no purpose at all is sort of a, 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 a wonderful theoretical idea, but it doesn't really fit. Into the real life that most of us sometimes have to live. Even if you don't think you really have a purpose, there's something in there. Maybe your purpose is just to get out, you know, stay out of trouble. I I don't want to do anything wrong. I just want to sort of get along in life. Jesus has some very specific things. He knew exactly why He came. Let's look at these together. Look over to Matthew 20. Matthew 20. We're going to spend a little time here just looking at these, these uh, statements of Jesus of what His purpose is. Matthew 20. And He stated these things. He, he actually stated more than we're going to look at. But we're going to get a good idea in looking at the ones that we're looking at. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25. Now what had happened earlier here is that James and John's mother had come to Jesus and said, hey, I want you to do for me whatever I ask. And she asked that her two sons could sit at Jesus' right and left in His kingdom. You know, hey, if you're going to ask, <laughs> you might as well ask, right? And so she went right for the top. And in verse 25 it says, Jesus called them all together. Well, verse 24 sets the scene here. It says, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. So when the other guys heard what happened, how would they feel about it? They're like, hey dude, you brought your mother in? What's that? You know, come on. You're trying to slide into the top two spots here? When the 10 heard about they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them? And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. He said, there's a the way people out there do it, but we're going to do things a little bit different. He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, He's speaking about Himself there, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. So Jesus here very clearly says, here is My purpose. I came not to be served. This is not about you doing something for Me. My life is about Me doing something for you. I came not to be served, But to serve. This is a clear statement here, isn't it? Hard to misunderstand that, isn't it? Jesus is telling them, hey guys, you got to back off this selfishness thing. you got to back off the ambition thing a little bit. You need to be a servant if you're going to be like Jesus. Because He said, I came to serve, not to be served. Okay, look over to the book of Luke. Got three of them here in the book of Luke. We're going to look at Luke chapter four, Luke chapter four, verse forty-two. Luke four forty-two. You guys getting there? Yes. Bibles moving down on the front row. I see him Okay, good. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. That's interesting. They didn't want Jesus to take off. Hey, we want you to stay and we want you to spend time with us. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. That is why I was sent. Now, this isn't a contradiction to what he said previously. This is a further explanation of what he said. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Here he says, I didn't come just to spend time in your hometown and take care of you guys. I came to all the people. To other people in other other towns. And I've got to go there as well. That is why I was sent. You ever had a time in your life when someone sent you to do something? You know what I'm saying? Years and years and years ago, started from my, my childhood. We lived in this little town. I mean, a little, little town. About maybe four or five hundred lived there. Uh, Hillsdale, Illinois. And uh, they had one little, like a, a ma and pa kind of a grocery store there. And my mother sent me to go get something on my bike, go go to the grocery store. And to really put this in context of time and, and, and interest is that you didn't pay for it. Wow. You, you just, you know, oh, you're the Fuquay's. And she wrote it on the Fuquay's bill. And when my mother would come in, she'd pay the bill. So, Marty, go. I don't know what she told me to go get. But go and, and get it at, at, at the store. And I got to the store this is the first time I'd ever, I think, been to the store by myself. Usually you go with mom. You just do what mom does. And, you know, and you stay out of the way. And, and all that kind of thing. But I was at the store. I mean, I was having a thrill, baby. I am at the store.
1: <laughs> and I know she told
0: me to get one thing. But i was looking around. i thinking, hey, I'd like to have that. <laughs> and that. i got a whole basket full of stuff. And I came back home. My mother obviously was not very happy with me. Because I, I way overspent, you know, what, what she sent me for. But Jesus was sent. He has this understanding. I was sent to do something. You understand know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a purpose here. See, God didn't, the Heavenly Father didn't say, Jesus, go down on earth and make it up as you go. He understood I came Not just for this little village over here I came for that village over there That village over there And those people over there And those people over there I came I was sent For this purpose Luke uh, chapter 12 When I tell stories like that I'm really giving away how old I am (laughs) In uh, in Luke twelve here Jesus gives a little uh, this is a little spicy you know you like your uh, meals a little more spicy in uh, verse forty nine Luke twelve verse forty nine I have come to bring fire on the earth whoa whoa I've come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish you were already kindled but I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is completed do you think I came to bring peace on the earth no. I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two, and two against three. They'll be divided. Father against son, and son against father. Mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. mother Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Wow! Jesus here is not just coming on this happy-go-lucky time. Oh, it's all going to be wonderful! Glorious! He says... What I'm bringing is going to bring some hardship in people's lives. It's going to cause some problems in families. It's going to cause problems from person to person, parent to child, in laws to in laws. That's a tricky relationship. Anyone who's married knows that. That's tricky, you know, in the best of circumstances sometimes. But Jesus says, I understand what I'm coming to do here is going to cause some friction and some difficulty. Okay, continue on. Luke 19. Luke 19. We're going to pick this up story about about halfway through. Jesus goes into this town. There's a guy named Zacchaeus. He's the local tax collector. Wants to see Jesus. He can't see Jesus because he's a short guy. All the short people in the world love Zacchaeus because of this story. Uh, and uh, he, he climbs up a tree to see Jesus. And in verse 5, it says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. You know what it means to mutter? Blah, 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 blah. What is going on? He muttering. They're talking about Jesus behind his back. You ever had someone talk about you behind your back? Not a good thought sometimes, right? They're muttering. He's He's going to be the guest of a sinner. What is Jesus doing? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, he says, look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay him back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. Now look, here it is. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Jesus understands purpose. I came to seek and to save the lost. We're seeing it again and again, aren't we? I came to, not to bring peace, but division. I came to serve, not to be served. I came to preach in other, other towns also. And then look over to John 3, the golden chapter or golden verse of the whole Bible. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. Blah, blah, blah. Look at verse 17. For God... I'm trying to get to 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Jesus has a clear understanding of purpose. I came to do these things. And I'm going to give you this this last one. John 10.10. I came that they may have life and have it in abundance. So it's not a singular concept. It's service, it's preaching, it's going to to help people. But Jesus understood I have a purpose. Now I want you to be honest with yourself. This is not a show of hands. In your own mind, are you living like this? That you have a clear understanding of what you're trying to do with your life. What are you trying to accomplish? You know the old saying, if you aim at nothing, what are you going to do? You're going to hit it every time. Just because you became a Christian doesn't mean that you necessarily are still living with these clear Christian ideals in mind. This is something you have to come back to. This is something you have to realize. Hey, I've I've deviated here. I've walked off the path a little bit. I've got to straighten myself up. I've got to get myself back to where I need to be. This idea of people struggling with how they're living their life is a huge part of the teachings of Jesus. And we're going to spend the second part of our lesson here, or the last part of our lesson, looking at three parables where Jesus talks specifically about this idea. That people are living their life, but they're not living their life going the right direction. Or when they get there, they're not going to be happy with where they got, if you know what I'm saying. You know, sometimes in life, you, you get to somewhere and you're like, and I don't know if you've ever asked yourself, how did I get here? Yeah. Have you ever asked yourself that? Yeah. It's usually because you made a number of decisions in the background that led you to that place. That's how you got there. Jesus talks about this very clearly in the idea of, you better think about what are you trying to accomplish with your life. They're all in the book of Luke. Look over to Luke twelve. What are you trying to accomplish? What are you thinking about? Come on,
1: Marty.
0: Luke twelve verse verse sixteen. And he told them this parable. A parable is a story, a worldly story, an earthly story with a, a spiritual application or a bigger application. The ground of a certain rich man, so this guy's a rich guy, right? Produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I've got a problem. I've got more crop than I know what to do with. I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get all that you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. This is the guy right here that said no. He says no. I'm not living... Trying to be godly. I'm not living trying to be Christ like. I'm not trying to live a Christian life. I am trying to make more and more. He's a rich man. But what happened with a rich man? The rich get what? Richer. And so he's rich and he has a Bumper crop! He doesn't even have enough storage space in his barns to to put all of it in. He says, I've got a problem. What do I do? I've got to tear down these small barns. I've got to build bigger barns. And then I'll put it all in there. And when I get it all in there, then I'll be able to say, hey, it's time to rest. Eat, drink, and be merry. The world would say this guy is brilliant. The world would, 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 would put this guy up as the example of success. They says, you fool, tonight you're going to die. And who's, who's going to get all this? This guy said no. We're going to see people a little bit later that are going to say not now. And we're going to have people later that say, you know, I, I'm doing it, but there's no power in it. But this guy just says no. You know, one of the most fascinating aspects of the whole idea of God and people is that God gave people the ability to choose. You, you, you don't have to be here this morning. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to live a godly life. Look at the world around us. People are doing everything. God created us and gave us choice. It says, you have choice. I want you to choose Me. But I'm not going to force you to do it. It's your choice. You know, one of the coolest things about being married... To Chris and other people that you know, have relationships, you know what I'm talking about. The coolest thing is, is that she wants to have a relationship with me. That's what makes it really nice. If she had to. She has no choice. That takes all the fun out of it. The fun of it is, she knows what a not-head I can be. Knucklehead, not-head. Closely related. Bonehead. Is there cousin?
1: <laughs>
0: Loser. Hey, you need to be honest about yourself, dude. You ain't that good either. <laughs> The cool thing about it is the choice end of it. that's what makes it good. It's choice and that's what God wants, but, he, but he's willing to risk the relationship by giving you the authority over your own life to choose. This guy chose no. Okay, now let's look at some other guys. look over to Luke 14. They don't choose no, they're just not, they're not ready now in Luke 14. Verse 15, it says, when one of those at the table heard this, they said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat in the feast of the kingdom of God. So, this guy just blurts out something and Jesus makes comment on it. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all like began to make Excuses. The first one said, I've just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. Bring in the poor, the crippled, and the blind. And the lame. These guys are actually, you know, they're a little bit different. They're, they're actually willing to come, I think, but not now. Not now. Not now is not a good time in my life. I just bought a field. I just bought five yoke of oxen. Now, you know, for most of us, we don't relate with that, you know. Five yoke of oxen. Really? Wow. Uh, how exciting. Uh, where, where do you store those? Uh, you have a garage? Uh, The last one we really get. I just got married so I can't come. Hey, I'm on my honeymoon, dude. I'm otherwise uh, not available. Not now. is really what's being said here. On my schedule, not yours. You know what my experience over many, many years of being in the ministry is? It is always inconvenient to become a Christian. And it's always inconvenient to get committed when you've let your commitment uh, slip as a Christian. It's never convenient. If you're waiting for a convenient time to get your life right with God, let me just take all the mystery out of it. You're probably never going to find one. That time never comes. It's never convenient. It's always business this, family that. There's always something, some reason, that you can't really go for it now. In the fall, it's vacation time right now. We get camp. The kids are leaving for camp. I'm beside myself with all this kind of stuff. And the kids are leaving for college. And and, and it will always be that way. In the fall, hey, it's football season. (laughs) You can't get your life right with God in football season. Come on, man. You know, you, you get, oh, it's the holidays. After the holidays. It, 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 my, 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 my schedule will open up after the holidays. And you see how that goes. Yeah. It's just one thing after another that constantly keeps you from doing what you need to do. I want to ask you, once again, no show of hands. No, no, nobody talking out loud. This is in, 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 in the dialogue of your own conscience and brain. Are there some decisions about your spiritual life that you need to do Now? Not next week. Not next month. Not next year. Now. You know, sometimes in life you just have to say, "I put this off. I put this off. I'm either going to not do it or do it." You know, I told a whole bunch of you, not not everybody, but uh, you know, I'm thinking about writing a book. Think about writing a book. Think about, about writing a book. You know how long I've been thinking about writing a book? <laughs> Over a year. And the other day I said, that's it. Either do it or shut up, Marty. And you know what? I started. I am writing my book. And it's going to be entitled... That's your business. The subtitle is going to be The Virtue, The Lost Virtue of Taking Responsibility for Your Life. And, And Chris is already sick of reading through the things that I've written. And she already said, I'm not doing your typing. God bless her, she shouldn't. But you know what? Sometimes in life, guys, you've got, to, you've got to just quit saying, next week, next month, next year, I, I, it's going to be an easier time, clear up in my life. That time never comes. What do you need to decide now? You know, we've been doing this whole thing for a, a whole last month about evangelism. What do you need to do about your personal evangelism? Some of you guys haven't had a visitor to church since the Bush administration. I'm not talking about W, I'm talking about H.W. (laughs) The first Bush administration. Well, I know I need to. Well, I know I need to. Well, I know I need to. How about this week? Okay? Now! It's, it's time now to do some of these things in our spiritual life. Not this, I, I bought a, a five yoke of oxen, you know, kind of thing. You know, the, you, you know Jesus said, sometimes you just got to say, quit making excuses and do it now. But the last one I want to look at, look over to Luke 8. This is really an interesting thing. This is a parable of the sower, a really, really known uh, passage. The scripture of Jesus talked talking about sowing the word uh, into people's hearts. And he's using these different soils as as different types of reactions to the Word of God. And he talks about the path, and he talks about uh, the uh, the hard soil, the rocky soil. And in verse fourteen, he says the seed fell. The seed that fell among the thorns are the weedy, you yeah, got weeds in there, thorns in there, uh, uh, stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Right. This plant is actually there. there you know, the, the, the seed on, on the road didn't even, you don't even get a plant. You know what I'm saying? Because the seed can't go down through the road. You have no plant. The seed on the, the, uh, the, the rocky soil and, and, and all that, it's not going to grow there either. The thorny soil, there's actually a plant there. It's not a very impressive plant. Because it's, it's got weeds all around it that are stealing all the nutrient from the, from the soil. And so there's a plant there, but it's sort of a 98 pound weakling. It's weak. Why is it weak? It's weak because it's trying to grow, but it's also trying to compete with all this other mess going on around it. You know, sometimes that's where we find ourselves in our Christian life. We actually want to grow spiritually. We, if I showed by show of hands, you'd say, Yes, I want to grow spiritually. I want to be everything God wants me to be. But you've got all these other things in your life that are sucking up all the energy out of your life. Yeah. You really mean it when you say, yes, I want Jesus to be my Lord. But you've got your, your job. Not that a job's wrong. But you've got your, your interests over here, your hobbies. Yeah. I want Jesus to be Lord. But this is sucking off so much of your energy. This is sucking off more of your energy. And and instead of being a strong, growing, vibrant-looking plant, you, you know, you're like, ooh, you know. <laughs> You're hanging on. You don't want to leave the church. You don't want to leave the Lord. Okay. But you're so much less than what you could be if you had ever really realized, yes, I need a job, but I can't let my job be the most important thing in my life. Yes, I need interest in my life, but I can't let them be the most important thing in my life. I've got to really say I want Jesus' Lord and make it Jesus' is Lord. Yeah. And put these other things... In the right perspective. Yes, they have a role in your life. Yes, they are important, but they're not the important thing. So, you know, Jesus uses these parables. you got the one guy who says, no. No. I'm just worldly and I'm worldly. Mm-hmm. you got the, the guys that say, no, not now, not now. Later, later, later. And then you've got this guy that wants to, but he's just getting drained all the way around. Here's the thing, guys. The aimless pursuits idea of this whole sermon, we all have things that we have going on in our life. I'm not saying those things are wrong or bad. But we do have to honestly sometimes sort of look at ourselves, peer at ourselves in the mirror, and say, okay, where am I at right now? What am I really trying to accomplish right now? It's like that picture. You know, pictures. the funny thing about pictures is you take a picture and five minutes later it's already history. But a picture at least gives you an idea of where you're at now. And sometimes you take a picture and you look at the picture and you're like, Hey, I'm a pretty good looking dude. Sometimes you look at the picture and you're like, Oh, yuck. That's my bad side. Let's try again. (laughs) Let's let's, let's take another picture. Surely I look better than this. (laughs) God help me. I must look better than that. If you know what I'm saying. The guy's... Today is a sermon to really, you know, this is not a sermon where necessarily you say hip, hip, hooray. This, this, is, this is not, you know, hurrah. This is oh me a little bit. This is a look in your own heart, in your own conscience of where are you? Where does Jesus want you to be? The good thing about where Jesus wants you to be is we always have the capacity to get there. He's not asking anything from you or me that is beyond your reach or my reach. I hope our study today has been good for you. Uh, for the teens that are going to camp next week, have a great time. Uh, win whatever contest they're having and bring back all the trophies uh, to uh, the, the, the region here. Uh, not, not that we notice those things, right? Uh, guys, Chris and I are honored to be your servants. Have a great week.